0: Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. We're going to finish up today. It's our last Sunday. It's our last Sunday in Ephesians. This is it. This is the last one. And I hope you've enjoyed it. I have loved it. This is, this is, this is the pinnacle of Paul's theology. He's just had such rich and deep things to say to us. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to finish it up in Ephesians chapter 6. You're going to want to turn there in your Bibles Ephesians chapter 6. A number of years ago... Uh, it's been at least a dozen years ago, Kimmy, my wife, Kimmy came home and uh, she'd been out running errands. She said, man, there is a funky smell in my car. Just a funky smell. And normally when my wife says that, I don't think much because my wife's spiritual gift is smell like if she was a superhero? It is smell. My wife would meet you and she can tell you, I mean, item for item, she can tell you what you ate last Tuesday. It's unbelievable, right? And so she's like, There's this funky smell in my car and I don't know what to do. And and so we went out and we looked in the car and we're smelling around the car and we're like, You know, is there did an animal die in here or is there, you know, is there something in the trunk or we're, we're looking at the carpet? Do we need to shampoo the carpet? We hang the little, you know, the little evergreen tree. I'm a guy, right? And so I know how to fix it. If you take guys, just so you know this. If you take the wintergreen chapstick and you put it right here, you don't smell anything. It's all good. So I thought I fixed it, you know, and I was like, put some chapstick on and, and like, we're just doing everything. We're, we're like, we're we're having the inside of the car cleaned. Nothing. Everything we did, the smell came back. Everything we did, true story, everything, smell still around. One day we're out running errands and she was driving. So I'm in the passenger seat. And when I get out, I walk around the front end of her car, true story. I walk around the front of her car. There is a bird Stuck in the grill and it looks like a hood ornament. It is like right out the front, right? And I was like, how did the bird get in the front? It's just like perfectly positioned, right? So I grab the bird, I pluck it out, boom, smell is gone. Like we we were looking for everything. We're doing everything we can think of. We're buying the little evergreen tree to hang from the rearview mirror. We're trying to shampoo the carpet. We're looking at the trunk. Nothing, nothing. Why? Because we didn't get to the root of the problem. You gotta get to the very root of the problem. Sometimes in your life, sometimes in my life, there's a funky smell, yes? And you're like, what is going on here? What is going on here? There's something not right in life. Like, where is this coming from? And the question we're really asking is this. What's really going on here? Like, what's really at work in my life? I'm having this struggle with this relationship with this person. What is really going on there? I'm having this struggle. with. I've been trying to lose weight, and I just, man, I, got, I keep eating, I keep eating, and I can't stop myself. What is really at work here? What's really going on here? I'm having health issues, and I've been doing this, and I've been doing this. What's really going on with my health? What's really, and, and I think sp- Spiritually, the same thing is true. If you're a follower of Jesus, there are just things that happen in your life. That's just the way it is. Jesus said, In this world, you you will experience tribulation. And there are times when we experience things in our life, we're like, What's really at work here in my faith? What's really going on? And so, spiritually, the question that we're oftentimes really asking is this What's the battle behind the battle? Like, I'm at it with this person. What's really at work here? What's really going on here? I'm having this situation over here. What's really going on? What's the battle behind the battle? And Paul is going to answer that question for us today, and we're going to see it in spades, right? Ephesians chapter 6, if you have it in your Bibles, would you please stand up? I always tell people this, if you pull up a digital Bible, right? If you pull up something digital, uh, you want to look at, uh, it'll ask you what translation you want, new living New Living Translation. Chapter 6, and I'm starting in verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says this, A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. Verse 14 Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, allowing us into your presence We're in the presence of the great creator, and it's a privilege. It's an honor, God, but we've come to worship this morning. We've come to give this morning. We've come to give worship and honor and glory to you, and we've done it in our fellowship, and we've done it, Lord God, as we've sang, and we've done it, Father, as we've given tithes and offerings. We've brought those to you, and now we want to continue our worship in the study of your word, and so, Father, would that be true? Would this be a time of worship? Holy Spirit, we need understanding and so we're just asking, Holy Spirit, that you would allow us to understand what we've just read in the context of this church and of our lives. Do this as worship so that it draws us closer to the Father. You be glorified, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. So he's talking this morning about the battle behind the battle, the battle behind the battle, the battle behind the battle, and that's what we're going to look at. Look in your Bibles. Look at verse 10. Notice what Paul says. says, he says, "A final word. A Final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power." A final word. Famous last words. This is the last thing Paul is going to say in this letter. Remember, this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul, traveling to a group of churches. We think the post route was of Revelation chapter two and three. We see the churches. We think that was the route. We think the last place that it stopped was the church at Ephesus. And Paul is saying, "Now I got one more thing to say. I want you guys to get this. I, I got one more thing to think, say. Now think about." All the things that he's already said. Think about all the things that Paul has told us. We've looked through this over 12 weeks. In the very beginning, remember, he talked about spiritual wisdom. I'm praying for you that you would have spiritual wisdom. And he talked to us about what does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus? Not like, hey, I'm a Christian. Hey, I go to church. No, no, no. What does it really mean to follow Jesus? Following Jesus is more than just, hey, I asked Jesus into my heart. It's far more than that. And Paul laid that out for us. And then he he talked to us about what we were like before we came to Christ and how desperate our situation was. And then after Christ, and what is life like in fact in light of the fact that we have eternal life and who we are and, and who we are to God and who we are in light of Christ. We talked about how is it that we get real powerful for life? Like, where does that come from? And we learned this: that the power for life to overcome in life actually comes. Yeah, when we surrender, when we surrender, that's where the real power for our life comes from. We talked about, uh, Pastor Amos talked about it in about week four, about how God really designed you and what he made you for. And that we were made for the abundant life. Do you remember this, Pastor Amos said, you were designed for 249. You remember that? We weren't made, we're we're this Formula One racing car now that we're in Christ, and we weren't designed to drive around Bloomington and Richfield and Egan and Apple Valley at 20 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour. We're made for 249. That's the abundant life. That's the way we are in Christ. We talked about the fact of, uh, uh, of the, that we are now reconciled to Christ, that we are made right with God through Jesus, through relationship with Jesus. We're made right with God. And necessarily, if we're reconciled to God, we learn that that, that that means that we're reconciled. We're, we are to work on reconciliation with men. We're instruments of reconciliation. We learn about how God dreams and about how God shows off remember this? We said that the way God shows off is when he takes a bunch of people who are crazy different. We're different culturally. We are different racially. We are different in how we think. And yet when we're united, that's how God shows off. When he gets his people to be, to be united, as different as we are, that's just God showing off. We talked about the real strength for life comes when we cry out and admit that we don't have it and we need help from God. That that's where our real strength comes. Paul talked to us about unity. We prayed for unity. Ephesians chapter four, verses two and three, we even sent that home in a card and we memorized that. And we said this, if we're gonna do anything great for the kingdom, if the church is ever gonna be activated and live and working, it's because of our unity. That our unity speaks volumes about our God. That unity is the key for us. We talked about, Pastor Amos talked about, when we come to Christ, there are a lot of things that we gotta throw off we got to get rid of. This has got to cease to be a part of our life. And yet, at the same time, there are things that we put on, that we take on. We're, we're different now. We saw that. We throw off and we put on. We talked about, the, about getting control of our life. Man, my life seems to be con- getting out of control at times. How do we get control? We said this. You get control when you give control. When you give control over to God and you say, God, you run my life. That's how we actually get control of our life. And then last week, the, the last message that we have was on relationships And how we do relationships, and and Paul was very clear with us, that the keys to great, meaningful, life-giving relationships, the kind of relationships that give life to you, that bring health, that, that give you all the positive benefits, the keys to that are love and submission. And that for followers of Christ, we said love and submission to Jesus means love and submission to others. That's how followers of Jesus live. Okay, Paul said all of that. He's talked about all of that. He's written this huge letter. And now he says this. Um, One final word. Now think about it. Famous last words. You know this is it. You know you're wrapping the letter up. What is it you want to make sure that you get in there? you got to say this. I can't sign this letter off until people hear this one word. And he says this. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Like, this is one of the things. He, he's starting this conversation now. He wants us to hear this. Now, this term, mighty power, is very interesting to me. Why didn't he just say, be strong in the Lord and in his might? Why didn't he just say, be strong in the Lord and in his power? Instead, he says, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. And the way you think of it is this. If you had a big dude up here with big biceps. I'm going to do this next week, and I'm going to wear a tank top. If you had a big dude up here with somebody. somebody oh, I just Did you see somebody sitting back there, and they went, like that. So anyway, I'd have my tank top on. But if you had big biceps, if you had a dude up here with big biceps, big, like the big powerful bicep, that is the might. It is, it is power in reserve. It's not being used yet, but there's might there. It's potential. It's potential. The power is when that dude picks something up with his big biceps. Now there's might that is put to work. That is the power. And the reason he says that, sometimes you and I have this, we have this question, we have this issue. Well, when God works is, do I just sit back and do nothing and I just watch God and I just stay out of the way? Or, or, or is it me just getting up and making things happen and I just go to work and I don't even have to consult God and I don't talk? No, it's the mighty power. God is our reserve. But sometimes we got to get up off our rear end and we got to go to work, putting, letting God work through us. And he's saying that. He's saying the final word, be strong, Lord, and in his mighty power. Power, you and I got to get up and go. We got to work as the Lord leads us, right? So he says this, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And I kind of wonder like, where's Paul going with this? And then he goes on and he says this, very next verse, also put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Like be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And now all of a sudden he's telling us, you gotta put on the armor. You gotta, be, you gotta be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. And I think to myself, where exactly is Paul going with this? Why is he telling us these kinds of things? Why do I need to be so concerned about being strong in the Lord in his mighty power? Why, why do I need to put on this armor? Like, what's going on here? He says this, the next, very next verse. For. For means because. So he's telling us why now. I just told you be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. I just told you put on all the armor because. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's why. That's why you've got to be strong in the Lord. Now, Now, here's what Paul is really saying, and we miss this in our grammar sometimes, is we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, comma, but against. And what you could put in there, the way we understand it in our heads, what you could put in there, parentheses, is this. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but we are fighting. We are fighting against evil rules. We're fighting. There's a battle. We're at war, everybody. And, and I'm not the, man, people that are brand new for the first time, like, woo, welcome to church. This just got heavy in a, in a hurry. But are we aware of that? Do we think of that consciously, that we are in a battle, that spiritual warfare is a real thing? You know, when I was a kid growing up, most of my great theology references come from the Flintstones, if you're my age. And so there was this thing where, where Fred just nod, like, oh yeah, I remember that. Just so there's this thing where Fred couldn't figure out what to do sometimes, and he didn't know if he was supposed to do the right thing or the wrong thing. And these two little Fred angels would pop up on his, you know what I'm talking about? They would pop up on his shoulder, and there's like good Fred with the, the halo and the wings, and there's bad Fred, and they just joking like a devil. And it's like, we forget that that there is this spiritual warfare that's going on and it's real. It's the real thing. And Paul says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but we are fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. We are fighting against mighty powers in this work world. We are fighting against evil, like in the heavenly places. Like this is real everybody. There's a, there's a film clip that's in black and white. Maybe you've seen it. It's all the way back in 1941. It's President Roosevelt, and he's standing before the House of Congress, and he says this. Uh, he says, this day, meaning the day before, December 7th, 1941, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. He's saying, this day, because now it's December 8th, and he's talking to Congress. He says, this day will go down in infamy, and what he says to Congress is what everybody knew That just hadn't been said, folks, we're at war. We're at battle. And I'm saying to us, the church, the followers of Jesus, we're at war. We're at battle. There is a spiritual battle. And notice he says that we're fighting against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in the dark world. Listen, we don't see it. And so sometimes we just fall asleep and forget I want you to stop everything for just a minute and think about everything that's gone on in the last two years. Do you honestly think that none of that is spiritual warfare? Think about the way that the devil has tried to split the church during that time. We've been split in the elections. We've been split during all the racial issues. And we've been split during COVID. If we don't wake up and realize that that is spiritual warfare. Here's what I know. You folks are not the enemy. And I hope you realize this. I am not the enemy. We know who the enemy is. We know who the enemy is. There is a spiritual battle at work and the enemy is all of these forces which are under the direct supervision of the devil. Now listen to what Peter says. Listen to what Peter says in his letter to the church. He says, stay alert, Wake up, everybody, pay attention, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, who? The devil. That's the enemy. And he says he prowls around. It's it's a word picture. He says he's prowling around like a a roaring lion, and he's looking for someone to devour. Now, you know this, that when when the lion prowls around, he's not always attacking. He's just doing this. He's just looking for a good spot to jump in. He's just looking to go to battle. He's fixing to go to battle, but he's picking his spots. He's picking his spots. And so Paul then, remember, he said this. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies. I want you to understand the enemy just a little bit, just a little glimpse of the enemy. I want you to get a picture. This word strategies is really interesting. It is a Greek word, "methodia," and it's where we get our word "method." And it means this, it's an orderly. Now think about this. This is the strategies of the devil. It is orderly. It is a systematic plan which uses trickery or deceit specifically to win. Now this is the way I think of the devil. I think of the devil goes and sits in his office and he's got a giant file cabinet and he pulls one drawer out and he's got a file with my name on it. Now remember this, the devil is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything, but he keeps track. And so in that file, he knows everything he's ever used against me, and he knows what doesn't work. But I'm telling you this, he knows what works. He knows what works. And it's the same for every one of us. He's got a file. He knows what doesn't work on you folks. He knows what works. And I'm telling you, when the devil goes to work, he's going to use. If he knows that there are things that have already worked in your life, that's where he's going. And anybody in here who's ever experienced or suffered with an addiction, you know exactly what I'm talking about. doesn't matter what kind of addiction. Maybe your addiction is sex. Maybe it's spending money. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's alcohol. You know this. The devil keeps attacking you in that sphere, in that realm, until you have victory. Oh, wait a minute. Even when you have victory, he still comes back. Why? Because he's systematic, and he's orderly, and he'll use the seat to win. You just need to understand this. There is a battle. The enemy is the devil. And I'm telling you what, he's systematic. He's orderly. There's a a method to it. I want to show you one other word. Because Paul talked about this. He says we're not fighting. He used the word fighting. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We are fighting Against the rulers and authorities, we are fighting against the mighty powers in the dark world. We are fighting against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. This word "fighting" and I don't want to geek out on words, but words are always interesting to me. This word "fighting" is the Greek word "pele," and it means just it's wrestling or wrestling a wrestling bout. It's a struggle. It's a fight. It's a conflict. It's a contest. But the word picture was this: it is two men who are fighting, and they're trying to pin each other to the ground by the throat, and the loser then would necessarily have his eyes gouged out. If, that, if those were the stakes, there are no rules. You just do whatever. You do whatever gets you a win. Every cheap shot, it's on the table. Every, 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 every low-down thing you could ever think of is on the table. Right. That's what we're doing. We're fighting. The enemy, the enemy has no rules. The enemy does whatever he wants. Any cheap shot... Any, right? That's that's why, listen, how many of you have you figured this one out? If, if you're married, you already know this. What's the single best time to have an argument in your marriage? Sunday morning, about nine o'clock. <laughs> have you figured that one out, married people? If you grew up in a home where you go to church, kids, do you have you noticed that one? The devil loves to attack At about nine o'clock Sunday morning, you're fixing to go to church. That, that, that's when the enemy attacks. Just a cheap shot. Just throwing that in on a Sunday morning, right? That's exactly what he does. So so here's what we got to keep in mind so we don't all panic. Here's what we got to keep in mind. Number one, the enemy is ultimately already defeated. Let's try that again. The enemy is ultimately already defeated. Yes, somebody wake up. The enemy is defeated. Listen, he's still roaring around. He's still roaring around. He's still prowling around. But he's ultimately defeated. Jesus rose from the grave. Yes? Okay. When he rose from the grave, he conquered sin and he conquered the enemy. The saint saint is ultimately defeated and someday will be cast into the fire. Right? But for the meantime, he's the prince of this world and he wanders around. He is ultimately defeated. Just know that. And know this, that our battle is defensible. We're not left defenseless. We don't need to panic and worry. Listen, we don't fear the enemy. Who do we fear? Yeah. yeah, we're told to fear God. Thank you. Hope, did you say that? Thank you. We're to fear God. There's an a, a reverent awe of who God is. That's who we fear. We're, we're not indefensible. So let's talk about then what we do. Let's talk about our strategy. Let's talk about how we go about this. Number one, what he tells us is this. We put on the full armor of God. And there, there are a lot of sermons. You can hear a lot of sermons. They're going to preach every piece of armor, right? But just know right, for, for right now, know this. You've got to put on every piece. Look what he says. This is verse, yeah, verse 11. He says, put on all of God's armor. Put on every bit of it. Put on every bit of it. Look what he says in verse 13. He says this. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. Now, this is simple. This is just so simple. Think about if you were a football player. It's fo- beginning of the football season, right? You're all excited. So what do you do? You get new shoes. They're the greatest shoes. They're the greatest shoes. They're, they're cool looking. They're the greatest cleats. They're going to make you fit. Fa- Did you do this when you were a little kid? We get, my mom bought us zips. We hated them. But you get your zips on, and then you just run down the driveway like you're really fast. You get brand new cleats, man. You are fast. You got on the thigh pads. You got on the hip pads. You got on new shoulder pads. They're new. They're shiny. They're the lightest. They're the greatest technology. You're all padded up, and you don't put on a helmet? First time you go out there and you get cracked in the coconut, you're unconscious. Right? What a waste all that equipment was. You put on every piece. Every piece. And again, I'm not going to preach through every piece, but he goes through this in verses 14 through 17. Go home, look in your Bible, verses 14 through 17. We put on the belt of truth. Why? Because the enemy loves to tell you lies. The enemy likes to tell you that you're no good. The enemy likes to tell you that you're what you're used to be. That's the enemy. That's his tactic. So we put on the belt of truth. we got to know truth. He says put on God's righteousness. It's the breastplate of righteousness, many translations say. We protect our heart. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. Once you have come to Christ, you are the righteousness of God. Neil, you're a loser. No, I'm not. I'm a child of the Most High God. Amen. That's who I am. Breastplate of righteousness. We put on the peace Of the good news. What's the good news? Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he rose from the dead. And now in Christ, I have a relationship with God through Christ. That good news gives me peace, right? We have the the shield of faith. What's the shield of faith for? Because the enemy likes to throw the fiery darts and the arrows. We have the shield of faith. We have the helmet, it talks about, of salvation. Guard your minds. Guard your mind. And then the last thing... That he has in the armor is the word of God. And some of you know this, but some of you are not aware. It's the only offensive weapon we have. It's the only, everything else is defensive. The offensive weapon that you have is the word of God. It's called the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Think about this. Jesus gets baptized in the Jordan River. He's led by the Holy Spirit out into the desert to be tempted. He's out there fasting and Satan comes after him. Three times he tests them. Three times he tempts Jesus. All three times, what does Jesus do? Pulls out the sword of the Spirit and he quotes scripture at Satan. Sword of the Spirit. It's your offensive weapon. Question When was the last time you picked up a sword? Or is your sword rarely ever used and it's dusty and it's all dull? Like, when do we pick up the sword? Are we in the Word? Do we read the Word? Do we study the word? Do we meditate the word? If you're dependent on me on Sunday mornings, you are in big trouble. Hey, not so amen on that one. Who said that? (laughs) Give a brother a little help, can we? It's true. If you are dependent on me, folks, you got to pick up the sword, like daily. Pick up the sword. You got to know the truth. You got to know the word of God because that's how we combat the enemy. So number one, you put on all the armor. You put on all the armor. But here's number two. We're going to focus on this just a little bit because I want to talk about this morning. And that is this. We fight the battle in prayer. We fight the battle in prayer. Now, let me say this again. Notice, you fight the battle in prayer. Too often times we think, I'm I'm going to be doing spiritual warfare. I'm going to be doing spiritual warfare. I better get ready and do some prayer. No, 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 no. The spiritual warfare is done in prayer. That's you fighting. That's you battling. That's how we battle. We battle in prayer. Now look what Paul says. Verse 18, it's the last verse of this passage, of this thought, of this idea. He says, pray in the spirit when? At all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all the believers everywhere. Man, prayer is where we do the battle. Prayer is where we do the battle. Prayer is where we do the battle. It's not you getting ready for battle. It's not you and me getting ready for battle. Prayer is is too often we have relegated, especially as Americans, we go, let's see, what do I need? What do I need? Like God's some kind of holy Santa Claus? Well, what just happened? We only go, like, we we only go to God when we want something. Maybe even when we need something. And we go to do battle. You remember this story of David and Goliath? Remember the story of David and Goliath? David's a small boy, young boy, and uh, he's going to do battle. And uh, everybody else is cowering, and they're hiding from Goliath. They're hiding behind bushes and rocks. David's like, who is this pagan man? Right? And he's going out into the field to do battle with him. Saul tries to give him his armor. He says, son, you're going to need this. He says, that stuff doesn't fit me. It's just awkward. I ain't wearing it. And he just goes out in the field. And he's fixing to do battle with Goliath. Watch what he says to Goliath. Today, the Lord, the Lord will conquer you. I'm not here to do battle, but it will be the Lord who will conquer you. I'll kill you. I'll cut off your head. And then I'll give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Watch this. Here he goes. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. God is going to rescue us. But he's not going to rescue us with sword and spear. No, this is the Lord's battle. He'll give it to us. God will give it to us. See, prayer is the battle. Now, here's what prayer does, and you just got to think this is real simple sometimes. You just got to think logically about this. Satan and God are not two equal and opposite forces. We don't fear Satan, we fear God. They're not two equal and opposite forces. For instance, Satan is not omnipresent, he's not in all places at all times. God is. He's not omniscient, he doesn't know everything. God does. He's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. God is. God is all-powerful. Therefore, because God is all-powerful and Satan isn't, Satan knows he can't defeat God. He knows he can't conquer God. Now, think. Just think strategically for just a minute. You saw Pastor Amos, bigger guy. I'm on the Gilligan plan. I'm on the Gilligan workout. So if I say I want to I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump Pastor Amos, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conquer him. Well, I might think in my head, ah, that's probably not going to happen. That's probably not going to happen. You know what I would do if all I if I was systematic and I was organized and I was and I tried to cheat I tried to do anything I didn't care it's no holds barred you know what I do I'd go after the people he loves that's what I do I'd go after his kids that's me that's what I would do I'd go after his kids okay now think about it Satan knows he can't overcome God he knows he can't conquer God what do you think he's going to do he's going after God's kids that's what Satan does He goes after God's kids to get a God. That's us. Satan's going after us. Okay, when we pray, we take the battle back to where it belongs and we put it in the hands of God. That's what prayer is. That's why we fight the battle in prayer. Because Satan is only trying to get us to hurt God. We go to prayer and we take it back to where it's supposed to be in the first place. And that is into the hands of the God who is already victorious. So here's what we know. We know this. We already know we're in a battle. I hope, if nothing else, I hope this morning has woken us up to the fact that there's a battle going on. We are in the battle. We are in it. There is a real battle. There is a battle going on. Everybody wake up. Number two, we know this. that In our battle, the enemy is the devil. We're not the, we're not the enemy. It's not us. Everybody turn to the person right now and turn to the person next to you and just say, you're not the enemy. Go ahead, say that. Some of you, some of you are struggling with that. Some of you, it was hard for you, wasn't it? Uh, Kimmy and I, we'll get in an arguments sometimes and we just stop everything. And we'll just pray, well, hey, we're not the enemy. I say, you're not the enemy. She said, you're not the enemy. Right. We have an enemy. The enemy is the devil. We know that. We're in a battle and the enemy is the devil. And here's what I want you to take home this morning. We fight the battle in prayer. We fight the battle in prayer. Prayer is the battle. Now we always do this at our church here at Cedar Valley. We do the big so what at the end. So what I would hate is I hate for people to walk out of the end of the service and say, What do you think he was trying to say? I don't know. I don't have a clue what he was trying to say. You don't have to guess. You just wait for the end of the service when we get to the big so what? The big so what this morning is this: prayer isn't the preparation, prayer is the battle. We don't pray to get prepared to go to battle. We pray to do battle. Prayer is the battle. Before we leave this morning, we're going to do some battle together. So we're going to do a couple other things, and we're going to sing, and then we're all going to do battle together. You don't want to leave? I got something for you, but let's pray first. Pray with me. Father God, thank you for this morning. Father, thank you for waking us up to the idea that there is a battle, that we are absolutely in battle. God, we know who our enemy is. We don't fear him, we fear you, God. We say, God, that the prayer is the battle. And so Father, I pray that you would wake us up, that you would give us a heart of conviction, that we would realize that we are doing battle, that the battle is real. Father, I pray that you would wake us up to that. God, allow us to be people who do battle. Give us a conviction for prayer. Give us a conviction that we need to carry a sharp sword. God, help us to realize that we're not the enemy. This is the body of Christ. And even when we disagree, God, would you remind us of that? That the enemy is the devil and he is already defeated. God, help us to pray and to speak and to live from a place of victory. This is how we do battle, church. We're not the enemy. And I think all the time the devil tries to tell us that and convince us, oh, they're the enemy, they're the enemy, he's the enemy. No, no, no. The devil is the enemy. The way we do battle is in prayer. And we do it corporately as the body of Christ. So we're going to do it before we leave right now. Now, when you leave this morning, we have a card printed up for you. It's called the Spiritual Warfare Prayer Card. And I'm I'm encouraging you, take that with you. You pray that every morning. Sometimes in the middle of the day, you're like, something funky is going on here, and I'm in a battle. You pull that out and you pray it. It's on the big screen, and we're going to pray it together right now. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, come on. Your warrior prepares for battle. Today I claim victory over Satan by putting on the whole armor of God. I put on the girdle of truth. May I stand firm in the truth of your word so I'll not be a victim of Satan's lies. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. May it guard my heart from evil so I'll remain pure and holy, protected under the blood of Jesus Christ. I put on the shoes of peace. May I stand firm in the good news of the gospel so your peace will shine through me and be a light to all I encounter. I take the shield of faith May I be ready for Satan's fiery darts of doubt, denial, and deceit so I'll not be vulnerable to spiritual defeat. I put on the helmet of salvation. May I keep my mind focused on you so Satan will not have a stronghold on my thoughts. I take the sword of the Spirit. May the two-edged sword of your word be ready in my hands so I can expose the tempting words of Satan. By faith, your warrior has put on the whole armor of God. I am prepared to live this day in spiritual victory. Amen and amen.